and Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> Which still bugs me that that's what that that's what they mm-hmm. called the third one. A, you got to make unless, the third one, unless and then the, unless, one needs to be Bad Boys for Life. Maybe there's a Chris. secret. Maybe there's a secret third one, like the way that um, Tokyo that, Drift that, isn't the third one. No, no. I, I, I mean, I guess technically that could be it too. But I was going to say like the way that Split was secretly a sequel to Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's like a secret third Bad Boys movie out there yet that it just nobody's out discovered. After Earth is the Bad Boys 3. Right, but because yeah. nobody saw it, nobody saw the post-credits. Yeah. And nobody saw a Marvel logo slapped on it. The people that did see it didn't see a Marvel logo, so they all left. Right, because Bad Boys, well, we all know, is, is a huge Marvel franchise. Yep. And now, our feature presentation. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. Welcome to another edition of Feature Presentation. My name is Frankie Fermonti, and joining me, as always, are my co-hosts, Chris Prakowski. You need to eat. You need to sleep. You don't need to start showing me a little more feature presentation around here. And Mike Hawkins. Please watch your language at Feature Presentation. Chris, you were right. Mm-hmm. And this week, we watched... Ten I said Cloverfield. that you were going to do that line. I wasn't going to do any line until you did a line, and then I felt like I needed oh. one, too. I well, was then, just going to say hi. Oh. <laughs> it's a good thing that I made Chris go first, then. See, that's why we do the executive deciding when Mike's off camera. Mm-hmm. This week, we watched 10 Cloverfield Lane, yes, which, if you remember, our first official episode was Cloverfield. Our so, first official episode was Spider-Man 3. God damn it! I forgot about <laughs> Spider-Man Three. Shit! Our first, our second official episode was Cloverfield. Our second official episode was Sky Captain the World. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was gonna say, God damn it! <laughs> what was it? That was December. Returning to the Cloverfield universe is what we did this week. God damn it! Ten Cloverfield Lane. Chris, why don't you hit us with uh, synopsis, and we'll get right into it. Okay. 10 Cloverfield Lane from 2016, directed by Dan Trachtenberg, his first feature as a director. That's incredible. Um, After getting in a car accident, a woman is held in a shelter with two men who claim the outside world is affected by a widespread chemical attack. That's it. So 10 Cloverfield Lane is the second installment in the Cloverfield anthology. Mm Mm-hmm. One of my most favorite aspects about this entire series is the mystery that is shrouded in the releases of these films. We discussed with our Cloverfield episode how there was, you know, viral marketing and and the trailers that just mostly showed Rob's party. We didn't really know what the deal was. 10 Cloverfield Lane, nobody knew was coming until the trailer dropped as a surprise before 13 hours, The Secrets of Benghazi. And of course, all of us went to go see 13 Hours, The Secrets of Benghazi, and we could not believe it opening night when that Cloverfield trailer hit. I could have sworn a commercial for, for it aired before the Super Bowl, and that's when the big thing was. 
Am I mistaken? Are you thinking of Paradox? No, because 10 Cloverfield Lane, I believe, also had a commercial before that, like during the Super Bowl that year. I think I'm pretty sure the first trailer, though, was was before because we didn't Mm. know it was coming and it was Mm. unannounced before 13 hours. The uh, the Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Okay. The the Super Bowl thing does sound familiar though. That might have been. Like I remember the first TV watching spot. the Super Bowl and seeing the TV and seeing John Goodman playing the fucking uh, Monopoly like with them. You know, that could have been the first TV spot. I was gonna say that might I be the so, first yeah. TV spot where like now the words out like let's get this marketing campaign right. going right. because the the trailer that aired before thirteen hours of the Secret Soldiers of Benghazi was very minimal. I, I remember seeing. Sure cell phone pictures that someone took of the trailer and like very low quality footage of the trailer and it, mm-hmm. it was just a few images if i recall correctly i don't think it even said cloverfield i believe i i don't want to swear to that but i don't think it even said cloverfield in the trailer but that was what kicked off the alternate reality game and mm. really got the ball rolling which we're not good at least i, I don't know about you but I'm not intending to get as involved in the ARG as we did for the first Cloverfield episode. But I do think it's worth noting that this was something that Chris and I were following big time in real time. Absolutely. We were, we were sending each other all these notes that Howard was posting online to Megan, his daughter. Yeah. I'm radio, getting goose, I'm getting man. fucking chills right now. Like I read all the notes earlier. Yeah. I, I, oh man, I was. It just got me thinking back, especially when, because Frank. I assume you weren't following this stuff, right? I was not. So the idea was that Howard John Goodman had this secret website that he lured his daughter Megan to, where the front page was like uh, like images of like her interests, like Paris, such as the shirt that's seen in the movie, and things like that, mm-hmm. and he was posting these notes to her about how she had to come to him, how he, he knew these things were going to happen. He saw these things and now her, her mother is keeping her away from him. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe, maybe once a week or so, a new message would pop up. Right. And I know some people tried emailing Howard and I know some people definitely got some sort of responses, but these messages kept popping up. Also part of this was there was a buried, um, I, I guess almost like an ammo case. Yeah. You know, like those little like ammo boxes. Yeah. One of them buried in Louisiana. Yeah. And people and, and figured it, out the coordinates. Given out coordinates. Yeah. And people found it and dug it up. And they found it because there was a, a bottle cap for Swamp Pop, the soda, which is seen on one of the shelves in the bunker, was mm-hmm. on top of the spot. And people dug it up. There was a flash drive with some bold Futura satellite information. There were puzzle pieces. I was going to say, weren't there four puzzle pieces which are missing when they do the puzzle? Yeah. Just incredible stuff like that. And leading up to the release of the film, the messages from Howard became more and more um, frantic. Alarming. And there was then a message from his wife saying like, Howard, what are you doing? I'm not poisoning anybody as if to say their daughter. Uh, This is violating your restraining order. You're out of control. And then finally, the last message, which if I recall correctly, was the day of the film, was from someone else, someone that Howard had been communicating with about these satellites and about Mm -hmm. this information, saying, I'm sorry, friend, I know this isn't the right place to do this, but this is urgent, and giving this information about something that was coming. Yeah. 
and that then led into the release of the film. And this went on for for months. And Something, following this was so much fun. Yeah, and people people did uh, communicate with Howard's wife. Um, I yes, recall that's right because that's right. she she. Uh, somebody posted on like the on the on the uh, Reddit, I believe, on the Cloverfield subreddit, um, that they were communicating through email with Howard's wife, and sh- and Howard's wife was saying like, "Please do not listen to him. Yes. He's he's been like this for years. He's just he's out of his mind. Please, you know, nothing is happening. Please, please disregard what he's saying." He also gave the coordinates to a locker in Chicago, which is where I believe his, uh, Megan was at that point. And of course, like I said, he he thought that he was communicating with Megan through this website um, and gave the coordinates and, and to a locker in like the Chicago, like, like subway station or something like that, like the grand terminal in, in, in Chicago. Um, somebody went to that locker and then there was a phone uh, and then they got a call uh, from, oh my God. from a number. You, you remember this now? Yes. Oh yeah. my God. So they got a call from a number and it, the 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 uh, the group got a little like toxic because the girl who who got the phone couldn't answer the call. She was like, so, like she was like, I got a call and I missed it, but I was in class, I couldn't answer it. People were like, people were like, what? But pick up the phone, but it's ringing. She's like, what am I gonna say? Like, sorry, it has to do with Cloverfield. Please, I need to take this. Um, but so the girl, so a voicemail was left, and it was John Goodman leaving a voicemail as as Howard, um, saying like saying like. Megan, you know, you've got to, you've got to come here. I've got this bunker. It's, it's going to be safe here. Something is coming. You need to come here now, please, please. I need to see you. And like, it got like two messages like that. Um, and then when you would try to call the number back, it would, I believe ring once and then just go to a voicemail that was recorded by Howard. And then um, like two days later, Howard posted a message on that site saying, Megan, please answer your phone. I tried to call you and there was no response. Yeah. And, I mean, first of all. Imagine following this in real time, Frank. It, it was the coolest like month, thing. Yeah. I'm once again, like, I believe I said something similar during the Cloverfield episode where like, I'm just blown away by how fucking cool that was and i'm very upset that i didn't follow along because that's awesome uh i guess it's i guess the credit goes to bad robot like i guess they're the ones who are who are responsible for all that like all that work the marketing stuff but like as far as i remember i think i think they they hire an agency i believe probably yeah probably I'm pretty sure that that's what i had read because i think someone had come forward afterwards to do an ama about it Oh yes, I'm seeing here the the Mad Men did it. I haven't watched Mad Men. Have you? Neither have I. No. I like. John I'd like. I'd, I'd like to. It's. I mean, we all like John. It's supposed Hamm. to be. It's supposed to be very good. Obviously. I'd and like to watch it. That I like. You know. Obviously, John, John Hamm. Hamm. I like John Slattery, Elizabeth Moss, um, uh, Christina Hendricks is very good. Like, yeah, there's a lot of people in there that I like. Felicity Huffman. Oh, I I know that like you said everybody got mad that this girl didn't answer the phone, but wouldn't you rather like don't you think the story's better that she didn't answer the phone? Right, because then you can hear the voicemail. Like she yeah. was able to show everybody the voicemail. Like yeah, like why yeah. why would you want her to answer and have a boring ass conversation and, with a screaming John than, Goodman? <laughs> and more than likely. 
like it was probably just a recording of John Goodman. Like he probably wasn't actually calling. Like <laughs> they got him one day. <laughs> like John, set. John, please come here. John, and call John, this come number. here. <laughs> John, we're gonna dub this over in the film, but like it'll be from behind you, so nobody's gonna see you saying it. But like we need you to say this. All right. Yeah, it's John Goodman. He's cool. He probably did. What, he what was is, like, yeah. He was like, yeah, give me this? a fucking phone he number. Gets what is this? <laughs> a, a, a fo- this is a phone? What is this? He gets Roseanne? like the, he gets the line wrong. Like the, the girl picks up and he just starts going, Michelle. <laughs> in, in his acid voice. Michelle. Starts poking a knife at the phone. You don't know what's out there. Hey, so guys, we all love this movie. Yeah, yeah we oh. did. We all love this movie. What a, what a great rewatch! Also, oh yeah, it's been a it's been a while since I've uh, watched it again. Um, but yeah, Mike, uh, you and I saw it with your father. Pazoo's. Um, yeah, we saw it with Pazoo's at I want to say uh, Deer, Deer Park. Park, and um, after the movie, we stood in the parking lot for about two hours in the cold talking about the movie talking about how incredible it was i remember that as vividly as i do seeing the movie yeah we just stood there talking about all these theories and explaining to him some of like the arg stuff yeah and he was just like wow wow (laughs) you guys practiced for this (laughs) (laughs) oh man hey how was your guys weeks did you guys have a good week not really no no Man, me neither. Let me tell you, I, I, I so I, I went to the store. You know, I hadn't had corn pops in a while, so I buy a box of corn pops, bring it home, open it up. Once you know it, two steamed clams come out of the bag, right? Then, then my penis got small from pollution. Uh, just it's one thing after another. Sounds like you're having a rough week. Yeah, you could say that again. Sounds like you're having a rough week. Oof, you could say that again. Sounds like you're having a rough week. All right, that's enough. So that was it? You just had to get that out? That was it. <laughs> Thanks, Jensen Crap. Well, oh, yeah, so it uh, seems you know, like that we've, guy we've, we've studied it, and it appears that this is just accumulated cinnamon. <laughs> Which is like... I don't know if it's real. Like, I don't know if any of it's real. It seems like it's an elaborate, like, fucking thing. But, um... It's yeah, what, if also... it's a, what if it's an ARG for the next Cloverfield? <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten um, to the point where he is so annoying about it. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm back on Cinnamon Toast Crunch's side. <laughs> but like... then, no, but now there's a bunch of stuff of, like, um, of ex-girlfriends who are like, yeah, like, he's super abusive. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That he was, like, emotionally abusive and, like, threatening and stuff. Forced a girl into, like, a a threesome once, like, yeah. So here's the deal, guys. Forget this. We're going to go. I mean, we've got Chris's bachelor party coming up. So we're flying to L.A. We're going to Cloak and Dagger, this nightclub in L.A. (laughs) We're going there. It seems like it's going to be a real hoot. I invited a really good friend of mine to the bachelor party. Uh, you guys may have heard of him before. His name is Army Hammer. 
Um, oh, how's he been doing? I haven't heard from pretty, him in a while. He's been having a time, but you know, yeah. I, oh I, no, we gotta cheer I, him up. I sent it. I sent it to both of you guys, and I want to repeat it on the podcast. But there's a really good tweet that that I had sent to you that was like, "The existence of Army Hammer is like if there was a if there was a, a very famous uh, actor who was also an heir, and his name was Donkey Donuts." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, donkey. It's a good tweet. It's a really good tweet. Hey, guys, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Yeah, talk about it more. Uh, can we talk about how there's basically three people in this movie? Yeah, there is. And there's, there's four people that we see. Um, and a, a couple fifth of voices. Just a voice, and it's Bradley Cooper on a phone uncredited. Well, there's a couple of voices. Isn't there like a new this is true. at some this is... point? Yes, yes. But yeah, shouts out Bradley shouts out Ben, aka Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Um who I, I believe, if I remember correctly, was like doing it as a favor to JJ Abrams or something. Sounds about right. Yeah. Right, because Cooper was on alias, so they go way back. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's it's three people, and like the movie starts with like five minutes of nothing. Like there's Frank ten minutes just, of nothing. Frankie, I want to back up before the start of the movie. Okay. If I may. Bring it back. Rewind I, I, it. I, want to, I want to rewind all the way to the spec script. Oh. Yeah. Because originally, this came from a spec script named The Cellar. Mm-hmm. The Cellar is in like a basement. Not The Cellar is in like a person that, on eBay. So oh. The Cellar. Fuck eBay. I, I, I know you were confused, Frank. So mm-hmm. it was a spec script called The Cellar, super low budget, Bad Robot took on the film, and the code name became Valencia. And both Winstead and Gallagher both said that they didn't know till days before the trailer dropped that it was going to be a Cloverfield movie hmm. because it, because it was titled Valencia all throughout the shooting. That's it. Good. That's it. I just yeah, wanted I, to. I, I, you, I, I was watching. More. I was watching uh, several special features, and J.J. Abrams said like, you know, they had been mulling around the idea of of doing some, you know sort of Cloverfield universe, some kind of like Twilight Zone kind of thing um, attached to it. And when they got this, when they saw this spec script that had been there for quite a while, they were like, you know, this could, this could tie in really well. And we can, cause it, it seems like a Twilight Zone episode. That's what, that's what JJ Abrams was saying. And he's like, we can do this where Cloverfield is basically like an all encompassing, uh, like universe basically and so slapped cloverfield on it and that and that was that and then they tried to do it again with paradox and shit yes. the bed and now we yes. get no more new cloverfield movies thanks guys yes. frank we're, we're getting the yeah there's one more we're getting the the direct remember are we i thought yeah. oh i thought it got yeah we talked on. about it on the show yeah that's right my mistake uh, did we talk about how that movie Overlord was supposed to be a Cloverfield movie too? No, we well, didn't. That's what but thought, yeah. I mean, that's kind of cool because that movie was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, and then it wasn't a Cloverfield movie. I was like, oh man, that would have been cool. I, I liked Overlord a lot. Overlord was fun. We should do an episode. It. Add it to the list. Um, Ten Cloverfield Lane only has pretty much three people in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. It's a two-hour movie, and the first five minutes, there's it's an like an hour and thirty-seven minute movie. 
Did you say it's a 10-hour movie, Frank? He said it's a two-hour movie. I said it's like a two-hour movie. It's an hour and 37 minutes. Mm, maybe that's why it felt so fast. I thought it was a two-hour <laughs> movie. <laughs> um, regardless of how long it was, it flies by. <laughs> For something that only has three people mm-hmm. and it's in one confined space, it's very, very fast-paced and, and easy to get into. Outside yeah. of that first five minutes. The first five minutes, I was like, do I not like this movie? After knowing that I like this movie a lot, the first five minutes, I was like, I don't know if I... I don't remember if I like this movie or not. Why is this taking so long? Why is there no... Just nothing going on? It's just ominous music. Nothing going on? She's leaving her fiancé. There's nothing going on. And then the phone She's call using happens. a screwdriver to open up a drawer. And then the phone call happens, and then the crash yeah. happens, mm-hmm. and then we're off to the races, boys. And then, uh, yeah, and then you open up, and she's got an IV in her arm. She's laying on a little bed, and you're like, okay, good. She's in a hospital. She's safe. <laughs> and then it pulls out, and she is in a, uh, a brick-walled room. <laughs> Which is, it gives very, like, Saw, like the Saw series or, like, yeah. oh, the, yeah, the hostile movies. to a pipe. Yeah, her bag is on the other side of the room. Yeah, you're like, oh, bo- oh, she's being held hostage. Very, very traditional horror vibes from that yeah. from that first scene down in the the cellar, if you yeah. will. Oh, so 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 because uh, Mar- Maria was supposed to be the guest in this episode, um, and so she's had a lot of schoolwork that she's been having to make up. And so she, she, just, she couldn't do it this week. And so uh, I told her like next week, you know, like, Hey, you're going with us to see Godzilla versus Kong. Do you want to do that one? And she's like, I, I want to do an episode of like a movie that has like cultural relevance. And I said, I said, I'm sorry, Godzilla versus King Kong isn't culturally relevant. It's culturally relevant to two different continents. <laughs> it's ridiculous Uh, a lot of red flags this week here also what's culturally relevant about 10 cloverfield lane that's what i was thinking they don't even have new orleans accents (laughs) this could have happened in arkansas for all we know shouts out arkansas for being cheap yeah yeah so one of the big things for me here is that it's the movie is bookended by uh, Michelle not having any dialogue. And so we are, you know, totally following her because the movie starts with her cleaning out her apartment, getting all her things, jumping into the car, driving, uh, you know, picking up the phone, ending the call from Bradley Cooper, going to a gas station, getting into an accident. She doesn't say a single word in that. Then we see her in in the bunker in the basement She's trying to figure out how to get out of the situation. She figures out to take this IV bag, take it off, take the pole, grab her purse, grab the cell phone. No, no dialogue in that at all at either. Uh, so she is doing, she's doing all of this, obviously with her facial expressions, with her, with her eyes. She's uh, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is extremely expressive with her eyes in this movie. Um, and then the end of the movie, again, once she, you know, spoiler alert, once she gets out of the of the bunker, 
uh, and gets outside and then sees that there really is an alien attack and that there really is like chemical warfare. Uh, she all she says is, uh, I think it's you got to be shitting me. And then uh, and then uh, there's no dialogue from the from there on out again until she says fuck at the end. Like that's it. She doesn't have it. She it's bookended by her simply telling simply reacting to everything that's happening. Um, and I think another another major thing with her character and the way that it's filmed, uh, the way that it's directed, the way that it's the story is told is that uh, Michelle is in every single shot of this movie. We are totally following Michelle. We are only experiencing Michelle's side. We are uh, only, you know, understanding her emotions and her situation here. Uh, you know, there's there's never a scene where it's just Emmett and and uh, uh, Howard talking. Um, Michelle is always in it. And I think that's really important as to how it's told is, is like I said, that we are seeing everything from Michelle's perspective. And so she is leading us through this and her performance is allowing us to see every single thing that Michelle is doing. Is it Michelle is feeling and how she's reacting and why she's reacting in certain ways. Yeah. I mean, and that's also that like seeing it through Michelle's lens also, I think amplifies Howard and Emmett mm-hmm. because now you're only seeing Howard as he reacts to Michelle and you're only seeing, you're only seeing Emmett reacting to Michelle. You're not really, you don't really get the dynamic of, Howard and Emmett before Michelle. I mean, you don't get the Howard and uh, Emmett before Michelle's there Mm -hmm. and you never get them alone when Michelle's like if when she's knocked out or whatever, you only get them once Michelle's been introduced. Um, Yeah. And it completely amplifies like who Howard is because now he's got his daughter figure there and all his, all his, psychopathy would that be the word i think that's really a good way to put it like all his like everything that he's going through mentally and projecting mentally comes out because she's there it's yeah. coming out more and more and more and more and you're seeing emmett finally see all the wrong like before he was just like yeah this guy's got a point like yeah, he's a, yeah. There's michelle leads him to understanding that something is going on and that it, and that he's howard is not telling them the truth yeah and it's also like it amplifies how scary that amplifies how scary howard really is because howard's mm-hmm. smart enough to figure all this stuff out yeah but is still completely losing it yeah emmett's just kind of too dumb and was like he heard this once and was like yeah i believe that yeah <laughs> and, and yeah, went and along with it what's interesting as well is in terms of emmett um it's not really clear how long emmett's been there like it's not cl- it's not clear how long that michelle has been unconscious after the accident um you know it may be a couple hours after the accident it may be a couple days but also it's not clear how long emmett has been down there if he was if he got there after michelle's accident before michelle's accident we have no clue um but it doesn't really matter to it but because emmett has just completely bought into everything that howard has sold him 
he's like, yeah, this guy's got, like you said, he's got, this guy's got really good ideas. He knows, he knows everything. He's like, oh no, no, he's, he's, he knows completely. There's something in the air up there. We can't go out there. We got to be down here. Yeah, like, it is established yeah. that Emmett knew Howard. Like he didn't, they weren't friends, yeah, but he knew him beforehand from yeah. living in the same town. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, and he obviously knew he was building the bunker. He, he says, I knew he was building the bunker. That's why I came here. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you don't know the exact timeline of like when he arrived, like, did he show up maybe when Howard was like, uh, was, was bringing Michelle downstairs? Yeah. Like he, did he show Emmett up may at have, that moment Emmett may have thrown a wrench into Howard's plans completely. Mm-hmm. Um, Howard's, so Howard's plans was, uh, get a new daughter figure. Yeah. <laughs> which so you don't know if maybe he like showed up and at the worst time and howard was just like fuck it i gotta go like this is how i'm gonna have to deal with this yeah um but it, uh, i lost my train of thought never mind <laughs> well frank so, something that you mentioned that i definitely wanted to touch on was you mentioned how frightening howard is and that's something that i mean obviously we were going to get to at some point but the performance from I didn't John think it was Goodman, that important to touch on, actually. You know what? I'll skip it. Don't, yeah. don't mind. Hold on. M- Mike, Mike, hold on. I got this. All right. Chris is muted. He's a dummy. Nobody likes him. I unmuted I'm, myself. So here's the thing. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Mute. So unmuted. You'll never silence me. All right. I'll say it to his face. He can hear me. Chris, you're a dummy. Nobody likes you. John Goodman's the best. <laughs> No, he's really he's incredible in this movie. He's so good. So John Goodman's performance here, in that he's so silent, not silent. That doesn't make sense. But he's so quiet and so calm Uh that it makes these outbursts so legitimately frightening. Yeah. These points when he just blows a gasket, he explodes with rage every time. Like he when he goes from baseline calm, he goes immediately to a hundred. Yeah, like and his loads, and his baseline is so calm and welcoming mm-hmm. that it, it's such a juxtaposition that when mm-hmm. he blows up, like it's like I, I remember Chris when we saw it in theaters. There were one or two instances where yeah, he well, blew up, where he blew up out of nowhere, and people would jump. Yeah, because it's at the flip of a switch. Just yeah, an incredible. I, I think a pretty unheralded performance. It's a John volcanic Hood. performance. In that. It, like you said yeah it, like you said when it, like when he you e, like erupts into these uh little uh tantrums that he has um there's the one that i quoted at the beginning of the movie where he's uh, beginning of this podcast i should say where he's like you need to eat you need to sleep and you need to start showing me a little respect around here and like he sounds like he's about to start fucking crying like he's got himself so worked up over this and it's like it's it's all he's created this but he he doesn't understand that and he like he thinks that you know he deserves all this recognition for giving them this bunker and this safe place and stuff that they didn't ask for um i think and and i i completely agree mike that it is an unheralded performance it is it is my favorite performance of 2016 in a year where you have uh, Casey Affleck's incredible work in Manchester by the Sea, Mahershala Ali and Naomi Harris in Moonlight, uh, the entire cast of Moonlight, really. Um, there, there's a ton of great work in 2016. Uh, Natalie Portman and Jackie. Uh, Ryan Gosling and La La Land. 
when he I plays that really piano. Good. I think he's really good in La La Land. I mean, he is um, really good. But I mean, um, I don't think he's at the level of like, say, Mahershala and Moonlight. But I mean, no, he is no. really good. Um, uh, Isabel Huppert and L. But like, I John Goodman in Ten Cloverfield Lane is legitimately my favorite performance of the of that year. And I think he was at, he was completely snubbed at the at the Oscars. Should have been nominated for best supporting actor. Um, put him ahead of Michael Shannon in Nocturnal Animals, which is a movie and performance that I enjoy. But uh, like Goodman is better than him in that. He's better than Dev Patel in Lion in that. Like he's better than most of the nominees in that category, I think, and should have been recognized for it at, at least for you know at least for this movie should have been not recognized for something because i think it is also one of the one of the best movies of that year and 2016 is a pretty damn good year um but but anyways like a lot of his performance he goes from legitimately terrifying at the beginning when uh like i said you know we're seeing everything through uh through michelle's eyes and so we see from her this fucking hulking, terrifying man who has kidnapped her and chained her to a pipe. And then then we see that, like, okay, maybe he means well. And so he's he's playing it both as a bad guy pretending to be good or a bad guy who thinks he's good and then back to terrifying after he kills Emmett. See, that it's it's a tragic character. In, mm-hmm. in many ways, in the way that he plays it, in, in, in the sense that this guy, and, and not to justify his actions, but at the core of the character, it's this guy that just wants to be with his daughter. Yeah. Like, he, he just wants to be fatherly. So it's tragic in the sense that he, he's, he's lost it to this point and gotten to this point when all he, all he wants is just to exercise his paternal instinct. Mm-hmm. And the way he plays all of that, just when, when he's so fatherly towards Michelle, and it's creepy as hell because it is the, not the, his daughter. Yeah, the charades and, game. Yes. And it's just the way Goodman plays it and the way the script is written. It's just such a perfect performance. And it's been said by JJ and, and you know people involved with the film that the idea was that the monster of this Cloverfield, it, it was flipping the Cloverfield idea on its head and that the monster was the human. Exactly. And, Goodman, as, as the monster of this movie, is such an interesting take. Like, like if you were to be told, like, oh, there's a monster in the movie, whatever. E- even if you're not taking monster literally. But the fact that it's just this guy, this large older man in a bunker who just wants to be a dad. And mm-hmm. the way that's like twisted and transformed into this, this frightening monster is just so masterfully done. Like it's just such an interesting dynamic, and I, I, I love it. I mean, that performance, that script, the way they play off a of Goodman. Like, if it was anyone else, I don't think it would have worked nearly as well. Mm-mm. He br- he brings something to that performance that, it, whether it was intentional or not, I don't think anybody else could have brought. Completely agree. Definitely. Uh, the other so one of the things also is how easy would it have been for him to be like the creepy old guy, like in the sense that like it turned sexual or it turned like weird in that sort of way. Right. It would, it would have been so easy. It would have been so easy to just do that. And it would have completely like, it would have taken away so much from how good his performance is. 
because that that's such an easy turn to like be like oh well we'll be together forever and then like him put his hand on like her shoulder or something weird or on her Mm -hmm. knee or something weird like that as -hmm. opposed to just well we'll be together down here and we'll be okay and we'll be safe and we'll be fine and not have it go in that creepier direction like or the 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 sexual direction i think that is a testament to how well like the script works oh absolutely that's so fucking easy right the fact that they avoided it and it's they avoided it and there's not even a hint of that is incredible that's such a testament to how well they made it work that they didn't have to take that that lower road at all for it to be as tremendous as it is Mm-hmm. You know, like there, yeah. there's there's not an inkling of that anywhere where that would have been, so, again, would have been so easy. And it just, it, I don't think it would have had the same gravitas if it just became, you know, just like a, a fairly generic, creepy guy is trying to steal this girl and, and do whatever with her. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that there's not a trace of that is what I think makes it so distinct and makes it work as well as it does. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh that no i i mean there's i don't know what else to add to that i you that's a perfect point um so something that i want and, and i'm i'm certainly not something i wanted to talk about was the ending and the last 20 minutes or so and i'm certainly not jumping on it to say oh let, let's let's wrap this up because there's a lot that we could say about this movie mm-hmm. but i wanted to bring up the ending because i feel like that's the point that loses a lot of people and i feel as though that was the point that garnered a lot of criticism was that it just it it the the tone completely changes and it just becomes a, a, a sci-fi action movie. Yeah, it turns and, 180 degrees just when you think it's over. It turns 180 degrees and goes on for 20 more minutes. And I definitely can see the arguments where it it should have necessarily and it should have maybe ended at say when she goes out, you know, climbs up on the, on the truck and sees the spaceship mm-hmm. and he just kind of end it there with, with the realization of, Oh shit, Howard was right. And he just kind of yeah. cut things off there and you don't really need the action movie ending. But I mean, I, I think if you were to go that route after Michelle was the hero throughout the whole movie, I don't think if, if say how it ended, undercutting her her victory if you will by getting away from howard undercutting that by immediately proving that he was right and and leaving it on a cliffhanger and her undoes sort of, it her in some sort of danger right i feel like that to some degree undoes it and i definitely understand not loving the the action movie ending i mean there's the scene where you know she she pulls out of the the farm and knocks over the mailbox and there's the shot of the mailbox and it says 10 cloverfield and there's the, the action movie ending where she's at a literal crossroads both <laughs> in life and literally in the road where she decides if she's just going to go uh, to safety or if she's going to go to Houston. She's not going to run anymore, yeah. Right. Character and growth. It, it is, I think, I think it's fair to say that it is a little ham-fisted. It's mm-hmm. not done necessarily with the nuance that the rest of the film is. But I definitely don't have any problem with it. And I know that was a big talking point when it came out that some people, once she got out of the bunker, just kind of turned on the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was curious what, what you two thought of those last 20 minutes. 
Um, I, I like that Howard is right. I think it's a really yes. great twist that Howard is right. Um, when, you know, we see, we see the, the uh, realization, obviously, that he has been lying the entire time, that that picture that he has been showing her of Megan is not Megan, as, as Emmett tells Michelle, like, that's a girl that was friends with my sister. She went missing a few years ago. And nobody saw her again. And then turns out she was abducted by, John, by, by Howard and presumably killed by Howard. Um, as we see by the scratched out help in the, uh, in the, the skylight of the uh, like control room that she has to go to, to the air vent uh, center, right? Um, we see that, that help message and her earring that, that Michelle finds. Um, so we find out that he's been lying about his daughter that like, like I said, that wasn't his daughter that he was showing pictures of. Um, he, it, it makes you think, well, he's been lying about all of this then he's been lying about this to keep me here. And then when she finally gets out and there is, there is an alien invasion, it, yeah, they are it looks spraying like a helicopter. gas all over the place. Like, uh, oh shit. He was, he was, he was right. He wasn't lying. Whether he knew he was right or if he, like, you know, who knows if he actually knew that he was right, but, like, he was right. And that's, the, I think that's a that's a uh, an integral, you know, turn in this, you know, um, to have that twist. I think it's, I think it's so vital that if she got out, like Mike was saying, like, you know, while, while having him be right and then you just end it, while that wouldn't work because it takes away that her heroic moment, um, I think also having her get out and him being wrong doesn't have the same oomph to it. Yeah, exactly. And, like, just as, like, a fan of weird action movies and fun action movies, the reveal of, like, Oh, is that a helicopter? Like we heard helicopters earlier. Is that a helicopter off in the distance? And then it turning and you, it slowly getting bigger and bigger. And you realize yeah, like, and you're like, Oh, oh that's, that's nope. a fucking alien. Uh Oh, yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck? That realization is such like, it, it's such a good moment. Like just on its own. Like it, yeah. it doesn't need the context of the film for that to be just a great moment. That could be a short film where it's a, couple minutes long and this girl gets out of something it explodes and then she just sees that coming that's yeah. great um i was gonna make a point about oh i so i have a theory about um if if howard was correct or not i don't think howard was correct because he knew what was going on i think his wild guess was correct because if you think right. about it the filtration system, right? Like the air filtration system. Mm -hmm. Howard's a 350 pound man. And the only way to get to it, if say he didn't find the girl to climb through all those vents would be to climb through those vents. He like, there's no way he can make it to that room. Mm -hmm. I think he didn't know there was an alien invasion going on. I think that's circumstance. Like, I think that just happened. And it was like, holy shit, he's right. Not because he's right though. I think he would climb up, like go through the, the main entrance and walk mm -hmm. to that and climb down the ladder. Yes. Like every time there was an issue with the, the air filtration, um, just because like it, that something like that made no sense to me. Uh, and I think that's even better that he was right, but not because of anything he had figured out. 
that it just it was circumstance. It like that's mm-hmm. such a fucking great thing because it also makes him look like an asshole, even though he was right. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, comments? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that uh, Howard was right, but not because he knew what was going on. Like, he thought it was just, he he was doing what he was doing regardless. And it just so happened that he was right with the alien thing. That's um, my theory. I don't mean to just come out here and automatically debunk your theory, but I am debunking your theory via following the ARG, where oh, Howard okay. talked, because How, Howard worked for Bold Futura, the satellite right, right, right. subsidiary of Tagorato, who also and owns Slusho. You do see the envelope in that filtration room. And yeah. well, also the, the ke- that, yeah. also the chemical he said was you that he that he eventually falls into. He says was used for fueling satellites. Yeah. So and also through all read, reading the notes and everything, and like I, I I certainly understand how you could come up with that theory from not following the the ARG. Um, but yeah, it seems like Howard like legitimately knew. Like there was like satellite interference and everything. And it seems like he was legit. Cause also mind you, he did have those lines of dialogue where he was like, Oh, this is the first wave. This is them wiping out, you know, part of the, the population. And then later they'll come back and sound ground, send ground transports yeah. to check people out. And then that's kind of what happened when Michelle came out, that little worm boy came out. Of him. That was <laughs> ground, yeah. Ground transport. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So Mike, the reason why I came to that, that theory was because why does 350-pound John Goodman only have small little vents to crawl through to go fix his air filtration system if, like, God forbid, Michelle wasn't there? Like, is it because he didn't think that through? Or he's had, I, a, he's I, had a, uh, a thin girl with him many times probably in there. I think he didn't entertain the idea of Michelle not being there. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. but He knew he'd time, have somebody. Whether it was Michelle or somebody else, he knew he'd have somebody with him. But see, I don't. I don't think he even premeditated kidnapping anyone that far ahead. I think it was just strictly out of the thought that oh, Michelle is going to come to her senses and be with me, and she'll be able to do this. I don't. I don't think the thought was oh, well, she's not here. I'll just grab this this girl that's friends with Emmett's sister. You know what I mean? Like I think it was very strictly just well, Michelle's going to be with me. She'll be able to do this. And then he kind of improvised that it. Megan would be with him. Yeah. Yes. Megan. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. Megan. Okay. Yeah, I, okay, like that that puts an ease to my my theory. Um I still just think it's funny cuz I would have loved a scene of him trying to crawl through a fucking <laughs> event. <laughs> like John Goodman's head getting stuck in a vent would be yeah. hysterical. Um Oh, I I said this Mike when you when you were off I said this to Chris. Uh, I love that the big giant alien ship slash alien with battle armor kind of mm-hmm. looked like a floating upside down Sarlacc pit. That ruled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it about. Did. I'm about like I know a lot of people complain that like the monsters didn't look like the the original Cloverfield monsters, but that's which I hated those complaints. Yeah, they're stupid. It's 
And there, there were people that said that, like, yeah, like you said, like they would see the monster in the ship and be like, oh, it doesn't look the same. It's not supposed to be the same. What are you talking about? First of all, because one, you know what all the aliens in space look like, stupid. First of all. Second of all. You know what all the aliens in space look like. Second of all, how do you not love, like, mollusky? Because the, the little dog boy looked like some sort of, like, starfish or, like, clam, like the way the mouth worked. Looked mm-hmm. like a starfish like a or a clam or a mollusk of some sort. And then that big fucking sarlacc pit looked like a giant squid. Like, it, I love the aesthetic of the monsters in this movie. And mm-hmm. I love that that was potentially not a ship, but an organic being with, like, battle armor on that helped it fly around. That shit is cool as hell. I wish I was an organic being with battle armor on to fly around. <laughs> I'm halfway there. I'm organic being. I just need the battle armor. Hell yeah. So how about the turn in Howard's performance when he does kill Emmett? And from there is just unhinged. Yeah. Except for except for them when he's not. Because he goes to check on Michelle. He brings the ice cream. He goes, all right, I'm going to go get cooking on dinner. Like, and he's, got, just and he's the, got a nice, a nice clean shaven face. Yes, we're going yes. to have dessert before dinner tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have mine in a cone. I, I brought yours in a bowl. Uh, Megan always, Megan always said that the cone was too messy. It's so, un, it's so unsettling. Like, I think that scene is one of the, one of the biggest instances, instances of it being this tragic character. Well, even even before that is the uh, is the uh, charades game, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, he's the 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 question or sorry, the phrase is uh, "little women," and uh, and Emmett goes, uh, "You know, Michelle is this," and he's like a girl, a little little girl, uh, uh, child, uh, and he's like starts getting like super frustrated, and he's uh, like angry uh, and stuff. Little princess. Like, uh, yeah, he's a, 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 a little little princess, little princess, and then uh, and then um, and then uh, yeah, they time runs out, and uh, Emmett's like, it's uh, it's little little women, and he's like, uh, I, oh, I, you gotta you gotta be more specific with your uh, with your with, with your, your clues. Uh, clues there, but then his clue of being Santa Claus. Uh, but he's like saying all this stuff because at this point in time, they are trying to build basically a spacesuit like to go outside. And they're using the shower curtain that they have removed and they're building like a gas mask and stuff. And they're trying to do this behind his back. Are Sorry. you not are you not aware that hazmat suits exist? I couldn't fucking think of the word hazmat <laughs> suits. Spacesuit. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the suit where they cover their face and then they they filter the air. It's it's like space science. It's like Star I Wars. Could, I couldn't think of the word hazmat suit. Um, so uh, yeah, so 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 that, Howard gives his clues. Howard has the clue. Yeah, I know like, what you're doing. I I see you. I see you all the time. I see you when you're sleeping. I'm watching you all the time. I know what you're doing. And they're like, uh, and then. Uh, they're getting freaked out. Emmett's like, listen, man, I don't know what you're getting at here. <laughs> uh, and then Michelle goes, uh, Santa Claus, you're Santa Claus. And there's a, there's a moment of... Very sound. good, but it was Emmett's turn. I'm keeping that point. I'm keeping that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. It's also very funny uh, earlier 
which gets to like the it, it it's a funny moment that turns into the more tragic note. Um, after Michelle hits him with the bottle, breaks mm-hmm. the bottle on his head, mm-hmm. and then sees the woman out woman outside, and then they come back down, and he she has to stitch up the the yeah. the cut on on Howard's head. Um, they have the the funny moment where he goes, "Oh, it's supposed to be vodka, but I distilled it myself." Uh, it's good, and he takes a sip, and then he hands it to her. She takes a sip, and she like almost spits it out. He says, He's like, "I said it. I distilled it. I didn't say it tastes good," <laughs> which is very funny. But then, like the next yeah. moment is when she starts stitching him up, and he's clearly in pain and like emotional. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "You're doing a good job." And yeah. it's, it almost sounds like it's because he's in pain and she's sticking a needle through his head, right. but it sounds more like he's proud of her for doing a good job. Exactly. Exactly. That's one there's of those that, like sad the, moments. Yeah. There's that. There's the fact that he won't allow Emmett to touch her because he views her as this innocent little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, when she uh, he explodes at the dinner table before he gets hit with the bottle, yeah. when she touches him on the hand, he explodes. Yeah, what are you trying to do here? Yeah. Man, this um, but there's so much in that in that stitching scene. There's a lot of foreshadowing, especially with with a the stitching. Like with the reason that they showed us that is because then we understand like, oh, she has this ability. She's able to stitch. They show us that she's drawn like she wants to make clothing, so she probably has experience stitching. So that we understand like, hey, it's it's not like out of the realm of possibility that she would be able to put together this hazmat suit, and also. This sweet ass rubber cold spray. He uses the cold spray on the uh, on the on the mm. vodka to freeze it to make it cooler and put it on the rocks, so that we see that when she sprays the lock and breaks the lock off, it's Chekhov's cold. She's spray. getting out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. It's they, Chekhov's they, 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 Chekhov brand cold spray. Chek- <laughs> Chekhov's cold spray. Chekhov's rubber ducky shower curtain. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's so much of it where it's just. The most simplest, uh, like scene dressing. You think it's just these items that are just being used, and the way yeah. they all come back is, I mean, it's it's beautifully done. Where I don't think any of those things are like, um, like too showcased. Like they don't show you these items and like zoom in on them to be like, oh look, here's no, a shower yeah. curtain. Like it's it's all done very naturalistically. Yeah, I also tried to find that shower curtain and I can't find it anywhere, and I'm very upset. Yeah. It's only for freaks like us. Yeah. So when I was starting to mention, because then I talked about when Howard was like sweet again with the iced cream, but um, mm-hmm. when he when he falls in that in that in that I almost said falls in that icing when he falls <laughs> in that acid and just becomes yeah. a, a a monster. Yeah. John Goodman's voice there. I mean, Chris and I for years have been going Michelle for years. It, it's terrifying. And yeah. the thing is, he is only on screen for like two shots during that. Mm-hmm. Most of it is just her running and her yeah. crawling through the air ducts and you just hear him. Yeah. And it's so scary. Yeah. And even when you do see him, you only see him, you get the one shot, like the one shot where she sees him dead on and then everything and else where you see is, him. Yeah. He looks like Two-Face. Everything else where you see him is like through the through the grate on the vent. The vents. It's like it's it's or through like the hole where he stabbed the knife where he's trying mm-hmm. to stab her in the mm-hmm. vent, 
Like you only see glimpses of him, or when his arm shoots through, it looks all like Freddy Kruegery. Yeah, he's got like he's his fucking corroded hand. <laughs> Which looks it looks disgusting. Yeah, and like it definitely looks practical. That looks practical. I don't think yeah. his face looked practical uh, in the dead on scene, but it looks the arm looks practical and it yeah. looks fucking gross. So that's yeah, that's the other thing that I mentioned to Frank, uh, Mike, when you had to walk away quick. Um, is that I this, just couldn't I couldn't handle this. This was just too uh, much. I had I to know. walk away. <laughs> I know. So the budget for this was only thirteen to fifteen million dollars. Yes, and especially all of the visual effects, the aliens, especially the alien ship. Um, I was watching uh, on the special features. There's a really good uh, special feature on. Um, I want to get the company's name right. Uh, that did the special features, that did the visual effects in-house. I apologize, we can maybe shorten this while I find it. Um, I watched it too, and I don't remember either. Kelvin Optics mm-hmm. is the is the, is the the in-house visual effects at Bad Robot. Um, they did all the visual effects, and everything looks so real and authentic, and like especially like the, the alien that they created, that little like alien dog worm thing that's on the ground. Like I said, the alien spaceship, uh, like it does not look like a movie that was only made, made for $15 million. No, they, they really got their bang for their buck. Yeah, because, and you've got to like, I, I've got to imagine like maybe, maybe Goodman wasn't paid to scale because like mm-hmm. if he was, you got to figure that that probably takes up half of it half of the film's budget that's also i feel like goodman is the kind of guy where if he read this script and was like fuck yeah i'm doing this he might have done this taken a pay cut to to, i don't even know if he would have i don't even know if he would have taken money like he seems like the kind of dude (laughs) no i'm not i'm not even trying to be funny he He wanted to keep the the jukebox he seems like the kind of guy that would be like yeah fuck it this sounds fun like i'll show up like i'm i'm well off enough i don't yeah I don't need to yeah. get paid for this. He's like, like, he's like, you know how much Roseanne money I have? <laughs> um, I've got a bigger budget than you do. <laughs> <laughs> so that, he fronted them. We, we need to mention. Yeah, you mentioned the jukebox, and we need to just quickly mention John Goodman shaking his rump. While oh, he, uh, so good, while which was in the, the trailer. Uh, yeah. Which also, I don't know. I I always mean to mention this, and I never do. But I love to watch the trailer like every week before we start. And I watched this trailer and it gave me goosebumps because I yeah. remembered seeing this so many times. And the way I think we're alone now by Tommy James and the Shondells mm-hmm. is playing. And the way it just slows down, like as things start to go wrong. But, but it does start with uh, Howard playing the song on the jukebox and shaking yeah. his rump. That is the first yeah. shot of the trailer. And it's incredible. It's great. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the the visual effects, the stunt, the stunt effects, um, everything is done so masterfully in this. Like the, like I said, everything looks so real um, and does not look like you're watching. Uh, like you don't get lost in in the scene where she's in the pickup truck being picked up by the spaceship. Like you don't get lost in that, being like, "Well, this looks really bad," mm-hmm. because you're like, "Man, like, man, how is she gonna get out of this?" And even seeing the movie before, I was like, "Fuck this!" Yeah. Like, even when you see the movie, you're like, "Oh no! How the like how the hell does she get out of this?" And then you see the lighter, and you go, "Oh yeah, okay, I yeah. remember now." But still, yeah. you get lost. You get lost in in that way where it's not 
oh, this is the movie I've seen before. I know like she gets out of it. It's the you get lost in it where you go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's how she does it. Yeah, this is coming up. Mm -hmm. Which is a testament because like there's not you would think a scene where she throws a Molotov cocktail into a giant sar like a giant flying upside down sarlacc yeah, pit's mouth. Pit. Like you would think you would remember that immediately, mm -hmm. but the fact that you can get lost in it and be like, "Oh shit, how does she get out of this?" Even after seeing it, is, is a testament to just how good this movie is and how fun it is and how easy it is to get wrapped into the this very small world. Yeah, this very large but very small world. Absolutely. So we keep talking about how much we love this movie. Do we do we want to put our money with our where where what? <laughs> we keep talking about how much we love this money this money. <laughs> we, we keep talking about how much we love this movie. Do we want to put our money where our mouths are and and throw down our ratings? I think we're clean swept. I think we all hit it with the same thing. I think we're in the hand holding club. Four Did and a half stars? Four and a half? Four, Four and, and a half. half. Now, Mike, here's my question for you. Uh, is it better than Cloverfield? I, on the phone, just yesterday said, you know how much I love Cloverfield. But I think 10 Cloverfield Lane is a better movie. I think so, too. And uh, yeah, what would you say, Frank? I'm not going to be hesitant, and I'm going to say it is a better movie. And I think we made it known in our our second, third episode how much how we, much love, we Cloverfield. love Cloverfield. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if you know me, which uh, probably most of the people listening to know me, if you know me, and th then you know how much it means for me to say that I like it more than Cloverfield. Mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's. An incredible movie. I think Cloverfield at this point gets more recognition than yes. 10 CL does because Cloverfield was such this, you know, genre defining thing. A phenomenon, yeah. But but 10 Cloverfield Lane, I think, is one of the best sci-fi movies we've we've ever seen. Well, it it's because it's not just <sighs> yeah. a sci-fi movie. It's a fucking it's a psychological thriller. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's a psychological thriller with like a bonus 20 minute like short film slapped on the end that makes perfect sense <laughs> they could have fucked that up it, just the way that sentence sounds it's a psychological thriller with a 20 minute sci-fi action movie slapped on the end that sounds like it should be horrific but they absolutely nail it it is it it doesn't even you don't even blink at the at the the switch it's a 180 it, degree turn and you don't yeah. even blink. And it's because, and, and it, the reason it works is because of how, A, how good it's directed and written. Uh, B, how, how well it's performed by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, John Gallagher Jr. and John Goodman. Um, being that like you completely buy everything that Howard is doing because of, like I said, the, the masterful work that John Goodman is doing, the best work of his career should have been nominated for an Oscar, like I said. Um, but the, uh, like after everything that, that we've seen that Michelle has gone through, that Howard has done and put her through, 
like fucking of course he's right of course i don't just get out of this of course mm-hmm. he's fucking right and that's how it works best that you know it doesn't i said to frank uh, mike that like it doesn't work if he's wrong Absolutely. I would 100% agree. If she got out of all, you know, she gets away from him. She gets out of this. She wins. She gets out and he's wrong. And she went through all of that for nothing. It's more effective that she, that she went all, through all of that. And he was crazy, but he was also right. Yeah. I, I think that's the biggest key. The biggest key to, to every, that, that's the final piece of the underwater cat puzzle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> final four pieces if you will it's it's brilliant it's absolutely yeah. brilliant now i i want to do the box office uh for this one again i i don't i i you generally don't want to do it so frequently but it's got a very fun box office uh game here um so we've got uh, it's the weekend of March 11th to March 13th, 2016. We just passed the five-year anniversary of 10 Cloverfield Lane's release. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane did pretty well at the box office. Uh, worldwide, it took in uh, worldwide it took in $110.2 million on, like we said, a $13 to $15 million budget. Did fairly well. Uh, you know, not as well as Cloverfield, which drew 172 and a half million dollars but uh cloverfield went at number two getting 24 million seven hundred twenty seven thousand dollars in its opening weekend i want you guys to tell me the first place third place fourth place and fifth place fifth place finishers that weekend what was the weekend again one more time it is march 11th to the 13th 2016 now number one is in its second week. It has dropped 31% and still grossed $51,300,000. Is that... It has grossed in two weeks. It has grossed $143 million. Nearly $144 million in two weeks. It is an animated movie. Uh, Never mind. It was enormous that year. I'm trying to think what was 2016 very popular animated movie from 2016 did very well is it a pixar movie it is not a pixar is it a regular disney movie it is what the fuck was the disney movie that early in the year wreck it ralph no oh that was earlier i think oh no frozen was the end of the year right frozen frozen's 2014 yeah, that, or 2013. Oh, oh god damn. My timeline is fucked. 2016 Disney. And Wreck-It Ralph is 2012. Yeah, so I said yeah. Wreck-It Ralph is earlier. So I'll tell you, it won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature over a movie that probably should have gotten it more. Zootopia was 2016? Yep. Mm. That's... I don't like that at all. I went and saw Zootopia in theaters with Billy. That was five years ago. Yeah. Zootopia, like I said, dropped 31% and in its second week still made $51 million. 
so Chris, now that you finally watched rewatched Moana, you're you're on board with what I've been saying Moana's for years. Moana's better than Zootopia, yeah. I've been saying it for years. <laughs> Frankie, you heard it. It's on the record. For uh, years, for years, Franklin, I've been saying Zootopia is good. Moana should have won the Oscar. And Chris goes, no, no, I like those police rabbits. Well, now he told you Moana should have won. Just as a giant Disney fan, as a fan of both of those movies, never a doubt Moana's the better movie. Never a doubt. I, I'm I'm glad I was on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. Unlike some- so so number three is a a massive hit uh, in this year. It is an action superhero movie. It's in its fifth week. So far, it has grossed three hundred and twenty-eight million dollars in five weeks. It drops thirty-four percent and makes ten million nine hundred forty-two thousand dollars in its in its fifth week. All right, that's 2016. Is that one of the Captain Americas? It is not. Motherfucker, I suck at this. It is a first in a series. Is it Wonder Woman? No. Motherfucker. It, it is. Yeah. It is first in a series. Uh, Ant Man. No. Mother- it is first in a series. It is not MCU. Now he says it. Well, I'm trying to say it, and you keep guessing shit. You keep going, rattle, frattle, 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 frattle. Yeah, you're being Joe Pesci in Home Alone. What the fuck? It was 2016. 2016, massive hit. Probably has not aged as well. Um, second oh, one. I know it. It, it, it. Enormously popular. I know it. What is it? Shaquille O'Neal in Steel. <laughs> ah, the re-release. Mm-hmm. Just like Birth of a Nation, right, Frank? Is it a, right. like you yep. said last week? Right. Is it, it a was, DC? Was this, the, was this the re-release of Birth of a Nation? <laughs> it is not a DC. It was released there's, by 20th Century Fox. There's other DC movies? Oh, it's, it's, it's an X-Men movie? No. Well, c- close. Oh, is it Deadpool? It's Deadpool. Fuck. Obviously. Yeah. Five guesses later. Yeah. <laughs> Number four is a sequel in a, I think it's a trilogy. Now. No, it's a sequel. It's the second in, I believe, a trilogy now. Um, in an action star who does a lot, a lot, a lot of shitty movies. It is in its second week and has dropped nearly 50% uh, in fourth place, making $10,836,000. Uh, it's a shitty action star, and it's something that's maybe a trilogy. It is. I think it's definitely a trilogy. It's a, I want to say, like a political action thriller. Oh, is this um, something has fallen? Is this yes. one of the has fallens? It's London. Is, is has it Olympus? Fallen. London. London has fallen. I, I don't think know. there's a third one that they made. I think there is. I think yeah. it's is like that, what's his name? That's the Gerard Butler. That's Gerard Butler. He's like I a secret surgeon service. I think yes, it's they like did make a third one. Olympus, third London, one, the, and Heaven. Heaven has fallen. <laughs> the it's the third one is that like they frame him for a murder or something like that. Take it three. 
no uh no 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 no. i'm saying i know i'm saying that that's that's the third london has fallen movie um okay so the fifth one taken three the fifth one you guys are never going to get um, oh we'll see it's in its second week it has dropped 37 percent uh starring a it's only it only makes four million six hundred sixty five thousand this week like I said, I know it's it. second in its second. <laughs> I know it in its second week. It's a pretty big comedy actress, more known for her TV work. I'd say. Is it, a, is it a Melissa McCarthy movie? It is not a Melissa McCarthy movie. Um, she hasn't been known for TV in like a decade. Yeah, she's no. Frank's just a really big Mike and Molly guy. Yeah. Um, no, so <laughs> she's Top probably three, known for her tv work more than her film career um but female comedian has lost a lot of popularity recently amy schumer it has to be ellen it's no (laughs) yeah ellen's big movie um train wreck it's about if i could try to give the plot it's about a train wreck yeah it's about a it's about this lady that it's like a reporter who goes to the middle east to for like oh shit document something it's a isn't that a tina fey movie yes it is what is it called fuck i don't know the name of it i'm never gonna it also stars margot robbie 30 rock i don't know i don't know this movie whiskey tango foxtrot yes it is frank wow (laughs) deep pull it absolutely never seen it not exist i just remember I oh, that, that means WTF. Yep. W, yep. What the fuck? I remember yeah. seeing posters and going, ugh. Every poster I saw. WTF in fucking whatever. I can't remember the, the what that code is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, this is like the end of her like movie career. It like, at least as her as like a leading uh comedy actress you know because sisters came out the year before sisters did not do great or actually fuck sisters got 155 million dollars it did do good uh but whiskey tango foxtrot on a 35 million dollar budget made 24.9 million dollars um it did not have a long run and at this point i got that yeah oh no yeah i'm i'm very shocked that you got that um but tina fey is like done after this um, she's can in we, Soul now, obviously as a as a voice uh, performance. Can but we talk like, about how bad my street credit is now that I nailed Whiskey Tango you knew Foxtrot? Whiskey, Whiskey but I, Tango Foxtrot. I couldn't give you a Deadpool. <laughs> That's the thing, man. Last week you had Kevin Hart, and now you had Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. You do like horrible, and then you have one deep pull. That's incredible, and you redeem yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, but like her, like that 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 ruins her film career. Uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. You've, you've said this like twice. I feel like already. You just keep saying her I don't film think I career have. was shot. I, I don't, don't know. I, I actually don't she think did, I have. So here's the thing, sister, though. She did Sisters, and Sisters flopped. Whoa! Wait a minute. Sisters did great. <laughs> I actually don't think I did say it. So basically, you know, she she was a pretty big star. Obviously, she had the Thirty Rock and all that stuff, and then she has this one and it poof, it's nowhere to go but down from here 
Did you guys know Whiskey Tango Foxtrot ruined Tina Fey's movie? <laughs> so what have we watched this week? Oh, I actually. Oh, watched... do we want to do Blue Boys because we both had some big purchases? Uh, I'll go first if we do Blue Boys because I only bought one thing and it was the Dread Steelbook, and I am stoked on it. Best Buy exclusive Dread 4K Steelbook. I got it too. It's beautiful. It's Did so you cool. watch it? Did you watch it, pal? I didn't watch it yet. I'm gonna. I might watch it tonight. The 4K looks tremendous. I I'm real excited. Uh, I heard that the 4K makes it look awesome from you, but I also saw online it looks cool, and that now people want a 4K remaster of Speed Racer. Oh my which, god! Which like don't? Oh my! Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! I mean, Frank. Which, uh, all I can do, all I can do in life now is try to get a 4K Speed Racer remaster. I mean, like, that's my that's my purpose in life now. Oh my only, god! So here's the thing, though. Can you this, imagine? Hear hear me out. Because I haven't seen Speed Racer in a long time, and I don't think I like I that like you say that "hear much. me out" while I'm like agreeing with you. <laughs> Hear me out. Do you think the remaster is going to work on such a small screen? Yes. Okay, Frank. I've got a 72 inch TV. It'll be great. <laughs> Good point. I'll let you know how it looks on my iPhone. <laughs> Fuck off! I hate that. Fucking Speed Racer is a visual masterpiece. You're going to watch it on your fucking iPhone. I do need to rewatch Speed Racer because I feel like I didn't like it when I first saw it, but now I feel like I would love it. Um, I keep debating whether or not I wanna, I'm going to buy the Prestige on 4K. It's one of those ones where the price like never drops. It's always like 25 bucks, but I feel like the 4K is probably beautiful. Yeah. But I also I feel like the Blu-rays like looks great. I don't know. Yeah, I gotta watch that again. I mean, I have the blue. I gotta watch that again. It's been a while for me, and it it, it rules. I'm a big fan of the Prestige. That that's a movie I feel like I flip flop on all the time. Yeah, the Prestige. When I watch uh, it, when I watch yeah. it, I feel like I five star it, and then like I get away from it for a long time, and I think about it, and I go, I don't think that's a five star movie. And then oh, it is. Yeah, it's it, really yeah, fucking good. It's so good. I gotta just stick to my guns on that one. Hey, what'd so you what you guys were we buy? talking about? What'd you guys buy? Besides Mike, uh, you, Blue you Boys. Said, Mike, you said you bought Dread also. What else did you get? I got a bunch of stuff, man. I'm I I I can't even go through everything that I got. Give us some highlights, and then we'll do what we watched this week and we'll get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I got failsafe. Hell yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but I got it. Um Amazon is doing buy two, get one free sale. So with the criterions, that kind of lines up to be around the same. It's like they're basically like twenty bucks a pop then. So it's it's like the same deal as Barnes and Noble. So um, I got Failsafe. I got uh, Breathless by uh, Godard, and I also got not a Criterion, but I got The Silent Partner, starring Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer, which I watched a couple months ago. I think I mentioned it when I watched it, and it's so goddamn good. Elliot Gould is a bank teller. A guy dressed as Santa tries to rob the bank. It's it's tremendous. I, I went through like a big Elliot Gould kick early there or late last year. So I got that. I'm very excited about that. Um, Chris, I assume you were teeing up for our Warner Archive orders. Yes. I have so much shit. I I'm not I'm not going to go through my entire order. There's a few of them that were big standouts that I'd like to mention when we bring up 
things that we watched that were good. So okay. I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to defer my time to you to talk about your uh, your Warner Archive order. Sure. So um, yeah, I got uh, a bunch of stuff. I got 12 movies from the Warner Archive uh, order. Um, their sale. I got uh, the movie Gun Crazy, which I had raved about a few weeks ago on the podcast. I got uh, Cabaret, which I had uh, wanted to see, and I believe Mike, you had recommended to me uh highly uh, you're probably uh, gonna love it i think so too i got uh victor victoria which is a very similar in, in that similar realm which i wanted to see um betty a betty davis movie called the letter where she uh witnesses a murder or sorry she kills somebody and then a damning letter comes back to haunt her uh suspicion with carrie grant it's one of his, it's one of the hitchcock collaborations that is not on my hitchcock collection uh, the movie Summer Stock with Gene Kelly and Judy Garland. I simply saw the title and the stars and I said, how am I not going to like that? And um, let's see, this movie Seven Days in May, starring Burt Lancaster, Kirk Douglas, Frederick March, uh, Ava Gardner. Um, it Just that cast looked incredible. Uh, it's about like, you know, the U.S. Army alerting the president about a planned military coup. Um, it looked awesome. Uh, I wanted to see it. And then lastly, the things to go in. Oh, The Wrong Man, which I believe is another Hitchcock starring uh, Henry Fonda, which looked really, really interesting. I wanted to check that out. Lastly, I got a bunch of the Bogart, uh, the Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall movies. I got To Have and Have Not. I got The Big Sleep. I got Key Largo uh, and Dark Passage. So um, everything but gun crazy was a blind buy and i'm very excited to get into those hell yeah um chris why don't we go back the other way what'd you watch this week um well when we last watched shin godzilla so the only thing i really watched that i'd like to shout out is uh the movie the way back uh it's that ben affleck movie where he's like an alcoholic and then he coaches a uh uh uh, basketball team and uh the movie's pretty good and he's excellent i think it's the best work of his career having not seen the the snyder cut of justice league um but you know so that remain that remains to be seen but you know he doesn't have the normal uh the normal charm in his you know movie star performances where he's got like that you know that that glimmer in his eye he's got a snide comment to make all the time he is like he is puffy he's bloated he is like grimy and gross and he is uh as real and raw as i think he's ever been on screen and as um vulnerable as he's ever been on screen i think it's a uh i think it's a really incredible performance by him um i also watched uh grudge match and i texted you about it frank when i watched it grudge match is absolutely fucking terrible that's one of the worst movies i've ever seen oh it yeah. sucks but that's all I watched this week. Well, I, I told Chris Frank that I have grudge match sitting over here on the shelf under my TV. I bought it at Dollar Tree. Yeah, dollars. I asked, him, I asked him for that movie. Yeah, I asked him if I should return it. Um, there was the time that I actually cracked it open and placed it on my Blu-ray player, and then said, "Nah," and took the disc out and watched something else. <laughs> oh, I have not yet watched it. It is. <laughs> it is terrible. There's, there's, there's one good thing 
in that movie, and I want to pull it up. So Alan Arkin, don't spoil plays the movie for me. His trainer, yeah, it's really going to spoil a lot. Um, so Alan Arkin plays his trainer, right? Who's trainer? And Alan Arkin. Uh, sorry, Sylvester Stallone. And so Alan Arkin comes in and he goes, uh, "You got a TV?" Stallone goes, "No, I don't, I don't do TV." And Alan Arkin goes, "You don't do TV? Do you have an iPad?" And Stallone goes, "No, I've got a regular couch right over there." Yeah, the That's movie's the terrible. It's fucking, it's horrible. <laughs> and then uh, there is uh, a, a sort of funny moment. There's, um, so imagine how many Rocky uh, jokes you can put in the movie or it's references. Rock, it's Rocky and Raging Triple Bull. That. Triple that. Triple that number that you came up with. There's three times as many as those. Um, they go into like a meat locker and see all the meat hanging down and Rocky goes, uh, Rocky, Sylvester Stallone goes to start punching it and Arkin goes, what are you doing? You're going to bruise the meat. Alan Arkin? Yeah. Why do you sound like Andrew Dice Clay? I don't know. Also, Alan Arkin's really hot, really horny. He keeps talking about getting, uh, fuck, what is the word that he uses to describe, uh, uh, getting sex from a woman. Um, I could not tell it's like, you. Oh, snapper. He keeps saying that he's going to get Ugh. some fresh snapper. Don't like that. Alan it Arkin sucks. is always horny. It sucks. Hey, dude, like Alan, I don't like it. I, I don't get Alan Arkin. I don't get like the, all the praise that he got for the back end of his fucking career. You got to like, see going in style. So he's you got to like, see going in style. You want to get good in Little Miss Sunshine, and then like he's just played that fucking character for the last fifteen years now. So it's funny that you mentioned the way back because a movie that I watched was the way way back. Ooh, I like the movie a lot. What do you think? I didn't much care for it. Really? It's actually not. It's actually not even one that I intended to shout out. I just thought it was funny for the sake of the joke. How about that? I gave it two stars. Anyway, oh, I watched. I it a lot. You want my Blu-ray of it? Mm, nah. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I don't want a free Blu-ray of it, but I liked it a lot. Um, I watched Death Trap, directed by Sidney Lumet, who I believe I've mentioned is one of my favorite directors. Michael Caine, Christopher Reeve. It's it's tremendous. I was talking about this movie after I'd watched it because the thing with me with Christopher Reeve is. Really, my only experiences with him are as Superman and seeing him, unfortunately, post-accident at New York Rangers games as when I was yeah. a child. So I really never saw, like, young Christopher Reeve. And he is tremendous in this. He is so quick and snappy and funny. Michael Caine's one of my absolute favorite actors. So, like, of course, I, I liked him in this. Death Trap is great. Are you guys familiar with Death, Tra Death Trap? I'm not. No. A Broadway playwright puts murder in his plan to take credit for a student script. Hmm. The playwright is, is Michael Caine. The student is Christopher Reeve. It's tremendous. Big, big wreck. I really, really enjoyed it. I also want to shout out, and that was one of my Warner Archive purchases, mind you. Oh. Also want to shout out another Warner Archive purchase. Robert Altman's Brewster McLeod. Chris, you know Griffin Newman is uh -huh. obsessed with this movie. Uh -huh. That's more or less my only frame of reference for it. You know, I, 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 had, I, had heard, I, I had heard the name, but didn't know a single thing about it. 
And it turns out in watching it, I still didn't know a single thing about it. It's one of the strangest movies I've ever seen. It is so goddamn weird to the point where for the first 40 minutes or so, I, I was thinking, I, I, don't, I don't know about this. I don't think I'm into this. And then eventually just it all kind of comes together and it just all works. It has maybe the most incredible credit sequence I've ever seen in a movie. Really made me fall head over heels with it. Was there anything else I wanted to shout out? I did watch an Alan, <laughs> I, I did watch an Alan Arkin movie, Chris. What'd you I did watch? watch Wait Until Dark with him and Audrey Hepburn, which is very good. Mm. She's blind. He's a guy trying to get a drug-filled doll. You know, stuff happens. Mm-hmm. We've all been there, haven't we? She's blind. He's deaf. High jinx and Sue. Exactly. <laughs> and um, I, th- I think that covers it for me in terms of like big standouts. I did watch, after we discussed it on the show last week, I did watch The Great Gatsby. Oh, yeah? The, I mean, oh, the really DiCaprio was, and Tobey yeah. Maguire? I mean, it was a rewatch. I've seen it before, of course. I mean, I, I own it. Um, Frank, I think you went four stars, right? I went four on it. I liked it a lot. I went three and a half. Um, I definitely maintain my stance on not having the issues that Chris has with the music because I've never once heard music in a movie and thought, oh, that's exactly what these people are listening to. <laughs> so I did not have a problem with it. Um, there are too many needle drops. There are too many Jay-Z songs. And of course, then the credits come up and it turns out that Jay-Z is an executive producer. So it all makes se- it all makes sense. I do like the movie a decent amount. It's like that weirdly over-stylized thing that's kind of distressingly right up like 21 year old me's alley <laughs> there's lots of like weird like stuff that you know were just huge gifts on tumblr like everywhere like it's a tumblr movie it's it's and, moulin rouge for dudes sure and i mean the leo you know leo is leo i'm gonna enjoy something with leo no matter what too many too many so go watch j edgar then and come uh, back to us and tell us I, how I, it is I almost bought J. Edgar at Big Lots for like three bucks or five bucks. Of course you did. Should I go do that? Yeah. I almost bought J. Edgar, but then I bought Roman J. Israel Esquire instead. Because <laughs> they're, they're similar enough names that I figured I could just get one of them and get the idea. I don't like that movie at all. Roman J. Israel Esquire? No. I'm going to burn down a Dollar Tree if I don't find a goddamn DVD in one of these motherfuckers one day. I Frank, swear. I said, I, said, I said Big Lots. Tomato, tomato. They're very different, frankly. Yeah, one's a big lot and one's a Dollar Tree. I know. Chris, do you want do you want my three dollar Blu Ray of Roman J Israel Esquire? No. I took the digital code though, so I don't have that. Crap. Hey Frank, what'd you watch? uh, What did I watch? Yeah, no, I'm not gonna make my bad joke. Um, So I watched the Snyder Cut. I watched Zack Snyder's Justice League, and. Uh, I think Chris yelled at me or Mike yelled at me last week when they saw that I rated the old Justice League like three and a half stars. Um, Yeah, I think Chris did it. Um, I didn't. Did I? You probably did. Um, I've never seen it. How would I have done that? You said, said, Frank, you rated the first Justice League three and a half stars? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I explained that I kind of like all those movies, but now I saw the Snyder Cut, and now I can never watch them again because they're all going to lose, like, three stars and be, like, half-star movies. Snyder Cut was fucking awesome. I liked Chris, it a lot. Chris, Board I heard a rumor. Loved it. I heard a rumor that you're going to watch the Snyder Cut this weekend. Do it. I don't know about this weekend. I'm going to watch it at some point. I've got to watch Batman versus Superman first because I've never seen Batman. 
Yes, I do. You don't have no, to. No, you don't. Yes, I it's do. Gonna just, you're just going to not it's like that. It's four hours long. It. They explain I need, it. I need to watch Wonder Woman again. I need to watch no, Man of Steel. All you have watch to watch Aquaman. is Man is... No. No. I need to watch the no, Flash but, series no, on CW. To you don't need, need to watch Wonder Woman and Aquaman because this came out after. You need the proper experience of having not seen did them. Did they come out after Justice yeah. League? Yeah, they did it Wonder completely Woman backwards. Did? Wonder yeah. Woman came out after. DC yeah. did it all. They introduced Wonder Woman in Batman it's versus why Superman. why nobody liked those movies. Because they right. did it. They rushed they it. They did it backwards. They did it wrong. I By the way, Aquaman, Aquaman was after, but rules, I, thought, I thought for sure Wonder Woman was before. Nope. But Aquaman rules, dude. Aquaman is That's so what I've good. heard. Aqua- so I've heard Aquaman's the best favorite. one uh, of the DCEU. It's it probably still my favorite. Over, so here's over the deal. Zack Snyder. Watch Steel Man, then watch Batman vs. Superman, and then I heard a rumor that you're watching the Snyder Cut this weekend. So I guess you gotta, you gotta hurry oh, up and watch uh... those other two. I, I read it in the I trains. Will, but I, I also want to compare the original Justice League to the Snyder Cut as well. No. I don't do it. Don't here, do it here's yourself. the thing. Here's the thing. I as think somebody that liked of, it, don't do it. For the sake of science and for the sake of this podcast, we need to have the perspective of someone who is experiencing Justice League for the very first time via the Snyder Cut. Okay, you're the you're the Frank baseline test. Have, okay, you're you're the guinea pig. Okay, do you think I'm gonna have to watch it in parts? No, yeah, you got okay. you got to go straight through. You can't even get up to go to the restroom. <laughs> oh, speaking of, uh, it's gonna be like. Clockwork Orange, you're going to be shackled to the chair and your eyes are going to be... Yeah, speaking of a four-hour movie, Grudge Match is an hour and 50 minutes long, and it felt like I was watching it for three hours and 50 minutes. That thing fucking drags. Justice League doesn't, so have Good. fun. You'll balance out Good. the universe. You have and to watch Grudge it. Match, like, John Bernthal's in it, and, like, he's acting his heart out in this movie. Yeah, no, he's also not good in it. Like, and you're like, what are punish. you doing? He's de- he's decent in it, but he's like going. He's trying really hard in this. Yeah, and no. it's like it's like. Do you know what movie you're in? The, Robert De Niro and Sylvester Stallone are seventy, and they're having a boxing match. Joey Diaz, Joey Coco Diaz is one of the trainers. <laughs> Don't go hard for this movie. <laughs> Shout out Uncle Joey, but still, Uncle Joey. I'm sorry. Cut I'm sorry. Uh, I only Come know on one quick. Uncle Joey. And that's Gladstone, and I didn't see him anywhere in this movie. I'm going to mute the both of you. Where's that beaver puppet? Is somebody talking about wood? Wood? The other movie I watched this week that I want to shout out is... Michelle? There's a car in the kitchen. (laughs) End meeting for all. All right, there we go. The other movie I watched this week... If you uh, didn't have another movie, that would have been a great ending. It really would have been bumped up to five stars officially on this rewatch. I can't believe it wasn't there before, but I did. I rewatched singing in the rain. It's a goddamn real life Disney movie. It's amazing. Go watch singing in the rain. If you haven't seen singing in the rain, real life, it's like a real life Disney movie, like live, live action. Oh, you mean like Mary Poppins? Yep. You mean like enchanted? It's not produced by Disney. Enchanted is good. Enchanted's really good. Singing in the rain. Uh, now, just because, fuck you guys. Uh, I did watch Tom oh, and Jerry. Oh, I watched like Tom Freaky and Jerry Friday? also. 
Uh, Tom and Jerry should have been an hour and a half of Tom and Jerry beating the shit out of each other and destroying real world stuff. But they not itchy and scratchy. They insisted upon putting real people in it, and Colin Jost was one of those real people, and they ruined everything. You know what's really uncomfortable in it, Chris? What? Colin Jost is wearing like a slightly open dress shirt, and you see his chest hair. Is it a lot? It's 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 noticeable. It's enough. Really so, threw me for a loop. I didn't expect him to have hair anywhere. So I, Mike thought I, he was I started to watch it. I watched about three minutes of it, and I was like... Oh, so you saw those pigeons right singing? You saw yeah, those I was like, pigeons? not right now. <laughs> I was going to say, you didn't even make it to Tom and Jerry. You just watched the pigeons rap in the beginning? I saw... I, no, so I saw Tom playing piano in the park, and I was like, not right now. But So you did see the pigeons doing Can, Can I Kick It? I, I did. Uh, didn't like it. Um, the animation so, was nice. It was I, weird. I, I liked it. It was weird. I though. thought I liked the animation uh, that they did over the scene in La La Land better. That little test uh, thing that they put out. I thought that looked much better than this. Well, that's because La La Land looked better than this. But the animation <laughs> that they put of Tom and Jerry dancing in, in that scene looked better than this, is what I'm but- saying. So, guys, next week we have a very special episode because we are going to the movies for the first time in over a year. Mm-hmm. We first time s- since I saw Doolittle. First time since Mike, is that the same one we, for you two? Yeah. Since we saw Doolittle. First time I didn't since know. I, I didn't know if you had been to one after that, though. That was, nope. That's Went to Doolittle. Okay. You sat there miserable. Maria sat there asleep. And I sat there watching a live wrestling show on my phone. We were the only people <laughs> in the theater. We're gonna wobble on into a theater. We're gonna plop down. I didn't get to and see we what I saw last. We are going to socially Frankie, distance. What did you see last? I saw the Irishman in theaters of in November of 2019. Yeah, of course you did. Wait, you didn't see a single movie from November to March? What kind of freak are you? I didn't get to go. <laughs> you didn't get to go for four months. There was nothing good that I really, really, really wanted to see. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I guess cats didn't come out. All my showings were sold out. Le- legitimately the best theater going experience I've ever had. So we are going to the movie theater. We've rented a private theater. I have rented a private theater. <laughs> we, you know, we're, we're doing this the right way. Don't, don't worry. We're, we're not being careless about this. But it is the conclusion of March of the Monsters, even though this is the last episode of March. And we had to see Godzilla vs. Kong on the big screen. I mean, obviously, it's great for me to go with my friends and everything. But but for my dad and I, you know, to, to be able to see a Godzilla screen on the uh, a Godzilla movie on the big screen, it's it's something that you know we've been doing since I was a kid, and you know we're old now, and I don't know how many more Godzilla movies are going to be coming out. So mm-hmm. to be able to do this, once I saw we had the opportunity to rent a theater, I jumped on it. I'm very excited. I'm excited to see everybody. I'm excited to see those big honking animated monsters doing a battle. And uh, yeah, you're listening to this. If you're listening on the day it drops, it's Wednesday, which is the day that the movie drops on HBO Max. So please do not send us any spoilers. Do yeah, not watch it on send HBO any, Max. Yeah. Do All not you send any. We know, not, we know how many listeners we have. All right. Yeah, like we'll four. find out. We'll find out your names. We'll come to your house and we'll cough on you, you pieces of shit. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you spoil this fucking movie, you're getting kicked in the chest and coughed in the mouth. Do not send any spoilers. 
to us on Twitter or Instagram at FeetPresPod, where you can find us on social media. Seriously. We'll see you, you next spo- week. But no, no, nobody has a closing line. No, if you spoil it, you're dead. End the, end the broadcast. <laughs>